Okay, so I'm listening to the podcast now. I just want to say, I'm going to come back with my comments, but I just want to say I'm at the part with the Mandela Effect question. And I think I have been existing in a different parallel as far as the world and universe goes than everyone else. Because every question that you ask, I had the correct answer to. I'm like, there's no, it's always been just never had a tell. The man's hand is not closed, it's not open, it's not, it's not a fist. It's, it's, and I was doing the thing, his hand is like this, I was also doing it. I answered all of those questions correctly. So I think I also may exist in a different parallel than the rest of the world that thinks the wrong answer of all these questions that you ask. Just want to put that out there. You're listening to the Hit City Podcast with Billy Graves and Suki Suburbia. Welcome to Hit City on the Slasher Sports Show. I am Billy Graves. You can find me on Twitter at Hit City Kid. And of course, I want to introduce... None other than the Siren of Scream, Suki Suburbia. A lot of alliteration there. I like it. <laughs> hey, y'all. It's Suki. Make sure you tell them where they can find you on Twitter because you didn't do that last week and you yelled at me for it. Oh, this is true. So, Suki Suburbia, at 80 Suburbia, write me, sing to me, doesn't matter. I'll be excited about it. Yeah, and I'm Billy. Billy it. would be excited if somebody sings to him as well. Well, that that's um, your words, not mine. Your words, not mine. But yeah, I mean, th- that's what we got going on. We are on both on Twitter as well as Slasher Sports at Slasher Sports on Twitter and TikTok at Slasher Sports Media on Instagram. And guys, we want to hear from you, the listener. Follow us on Twitter and download that Anchor podcasting app where you can send us some voice recordings with your questions and comments, much like you heard from Suki's friend before the intro. We got to talk about that, but you know, we know uh, that you know we could probably pay play your question or your comment on the podcast more than likely. And lastly, if you're enjoying Hit City, next time you're on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app, give us a rating. Like, don't do it now. Of course, you're driving. You know, now you're wondering how I knew you were driving, aren't you? I'm good like that. But yeah, give us a rating if you love it. If you don't love it, well, then you can go to hell. Straight to hell. Like, how, how, let the listeners know how the ratings count. Well, on Spotify, this is kind of a new thing with Spotify. Uh, over the mm-hmm. last few months, maybe, you can now go on and give it like a star rating. Five stars, zero stars. Um, Apple Podcasts has had that forever. But Spotify just started to incorporate that. And, you know, five stars bump us up in the, in, in the rankings, you know, like make us easier to find. So that's always the goal. We want to reach as many ears as possible. But the main thing is just having fun with it, right? Absolutely. That's what we're doing. So let's get a little weird. Let's. We heard from, are you excited? I am. Okay. We heard from my girl earlier and she was talking how she remembers things clearly um, and differently from other people. I know I was saying that last week. Mm-hmm. Billy, how do you feel? Because I think you were kind of on par with what she was talking about. Yeah, sort of. Um, kind of along the same wavelengths. Okay, so I've had the Mandela effect argument with multiple people. People that swear they remember one thing when, I mean, just a simple search into your Google machine is going to tell <laughs> you that this thing never existed. And my sister and her husband they uh, swear 
that Sinbad was indeed in that flick as a genie. Yeah. However, nowhere else, not the Internet Movie Database, not Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. not your most capable data analyst with his Google fingers are going to be able to find a script, a cast, a director, screenwriter, any of that for this film. Why are people pushing back on it so hard to prove that he was in this damn movie? Well, <laughs> well, see, that's where the, the that that's where we disconnect. You know, the, the, the we were we had some connected dots. Now our dots are disconnected again. So there you go. I mean, we, I guess we should figure out though what from our listeners is one of those weird things. Like, what weird experiences do you have, uh, Suki's friend Porsche? Porsche. Dr. Jackson. Dr. Jackson, if you're nasty, she just got her doctor. And I am the nastiest player in the game. So Dr. Porsche living on a different parallel, different plane of existence, if you will. And I will. I kind of dig that though, because, you know, she's got a, a heightened awareness. Mm -hmm. She's already on her toes. And this is something that she's, actively investigating so we got to dig into more people like that and we could listen to more on uh you know dr porsche's mind we want to know like what what more are you seeing that tells you such a thing absolutely and any other stories so i think this segment can be called let's get weird and any experiences you've had or any thoughts you would like to explore Give us a chat, a holler. What do people give? A shout I, out? I'll take it in a DM. I don't even care. Oh, oh, okay. I don't well, even care. DM. There we go. And uh, Billy is on Twitter. Absolutely. He'll be taking it with the DM. So anyways, that would be a great, great thing to talk about on our show. And we're excited to listen to your stories. Well, are you ready to, to start it? Because I've got one. Okay. I've I'm got ready. one. Yeah, I, I kept this in my back pocket. You think I tell you everything before we get on here? No, I this do is not. A problem. This is a no, problem. It, it, no, it's not a problem. Okay. I'll tell you why it's not a problem. Because if I if I get if I unload the clip, then I got nothing else to shoot, right? right? Okay. You can't okay, walk into a gunfight with a knife, okay? What? Especially okay. with you. <laughs> Especially with you. So, when I was about, I would say seven years old. Seven sounds right. It may have been younger. Mm-hmm. I have family in Indiana, Kokomo, Indiana, of all places. Not even the good Kokomo. Okay. Well. Oh. This is my mom's side of the family. So, of course, as things arise, you go and visit. Funerals happen. You know, passings happen. You have to go to funerals. Well, this would have been my first funeral. Um, I actually didn't go to it. I stayed at, uh, you know, one of the aunt's houses. But, see, they already know I'm lying. That's why they're barking. No, I'm not lying. This, this is the truth. Listen, you will know me as someone who does not have a very strong belief in... Let's just call it mumbo jumbo. Okay. okay. The hokey pokey. Okay. Okay. I'm not, I'm not with that hokey stuff. And even though I'm a horror fan, I'm very much yeah, fact based horror. Sure. It's the, the guy who breaks in the house and tries to kill you and your family that scares me, not the make believe ghost that, uh-huh. that crawls through the walls. Not that, that's not my thing. Okay. okay. Well, okay. let's get back to Indiana to the funeral. Younger Billy. Mm-hmm. Very young Billy. Um, the name of this guy is Kenneth. Okay, he is my mother's uncle, one of her uncles. His name was Kenneth. So we're in Indiana. I'm meeting all these new people because I don't know this side of the family. 
there in Indiana. I'm seven. Where could I have gone in those seven years, right? So everybody's doing their thing. We have two adjacent, adjacent? Yeah, adjacent houses right across the street from each other and a very narrow street, okay? So I'm back and forth. I'm I'm at this house one moment. I'm at the other house the next moment. Well, there's a, a Nintendo system over at the one house. That's where I want to be. I didn't yet. I didn't yet own a Nintendo. This is how I know I'm seven because I didn't get the Nintendo until I was, I was eight. Okay, this, this, this is how you compartmentalize these thoughts. So I'm About back your, and forth. Your game systems. Okay, e- I'm ready. exactly. Or just big purchases that a kid wants, and a, a Nintendo was huge at the time. So. I go across the road and um, I'm over there with the family, but I'm thinking in the back of my head, man, I need to get across the street because I want to play Kenny's uh, NES. He's got the Legend of Zelda and I want to play that. So I kind of sneak off. I go to the sidewalk. I'm about to cross the street. I don't think anything about it because where I'm from, you just go to the next yard over because you know those people too, right? Well, this is no different. I'm about to cross the street. I take a step and this guy grabs me by the shoulder. Okay. Keep in mind, I don't know this family. I don't know the person that it's his funeral. I don't know the, the sisters and brothers of this guy. I only know he's related to my mother and I haven't met him. So get back to the across the street situation. This guy grabs me by the shoulder and says, Hey, you got to look both ways. You can't just cross the street. You know, he's taking care of me, right? Right. Making sure I'm not going to get run over in the, in the streets of Indiana, Kokomo. So I say, okay. And he and this lady walk me across the street. They let me go on into the house where I snuck up into the attic and started playing that Nintendo for however long. <laughs> well, fast forward to however long. Well, of course, I didn't tell anybody that I was going over to the other house, so my family's freaking out. They find me in the attic, and they say, don't ever walk away. Don't ever run away. you got to tell us where you're going. Absolutely. Et cetera, et cetera. This is before the Atlanta uh, situation, you know, the, the Atlanta kidnappings. You know, it's okay. 10 a.m. Do you know where your children are? That It's before all that. Right, okay. So um, I learned my lesson. I get yelled at, whatever. Right. Everybody goes to do the funeral. And I'm just living life back down in Tennessee. Okay. Well, my mom keeps some pretty, pretty thick photo albums. Okay. Okay. And I'm just looking through these things one day bored. And this is sometime later. This is not when I'm seven. This is around the time I was eight. Well, in my mind, a couple of years prior, I remember specifically the guy that walked me across the street. Why do I remember him? Because the way we compartmentalize thoughts in our head is we make associations just like yeah. i made the association that i knew that this was around the time i was seven because i hadn't mm-hmm. yet gotten my first nintendo i kind of pinpoint that okay well and i'm sorry i'm i'm, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth i'm, I'm really shooting from the hip here uh, no, did no, not have did not like, well i did not I'm have the story prepared until the moment we said let's get weird i i'm ready this is the type of stuff i am in love with i'm writing notes go ahead okay and again just to know me this isn't up my alley. This isn't one of those things that I just want to be heard, okay? So, a couple of years later, I'm remembering the guy that walked me across the street. And why do I remember him? Because he looked, his his facial features were just like a guy that I grew up with, his dad. The guy that I grew up with, his name was Cliff. Cliff Harris, to be precise. And his dad's name was Thomas. Small community, we all know each other. Thomas Harris and this guy that walked me across the street, man, he looked a lot like Thomas Harris. It wasn't Thomas Harris, but he looked like a, lot, a whole lot right. like him, you know? Right. And that's why I remembered him. Well, fast forward, you know, two years later, I'm looking at this photo album and I'm like, hey, 
there's that dude that walked me across the street. I I knew I was going to see him again. Okay, there he is. There's a guy that walked me across the street. Hey, mom, check this out. You remember when I was, I walked across the street to, to, um, Alti and Odie's house? Okay, cool. Well, hey, there's the guy that walked me across the street. Remember I told you a guy walked me across the street? Well, that's the guy. Yeah. Well, well, Billy, that couldn't have been him because that's whose funeral we were at. Stop lying. You, so, you stop lying. Suki, so, I'll put it on anything. I'll put it on anything you want me to. I I've don't believe. Lot, you know? I don't uh-huh. believe in, in, in this paranormal stuff. So in the back of my mind, I'm telling myself like, nah, it couldn't be. But if it wasn't for that association that I made, that, hey, that guy looks like Thomas Harris and nobody looks like Thomas Harris except Cliff Harris. Okay. That's a, if, if anybody around here says, Hey, can you pick out, uh, you know, the, the Harris family? Yeah. Cause they all look alike. Even the girls look like the boys. Okay. So like they all have the same face, just some are prettier than the others. You know what I'm saying? So it's a strong family being very, yeah. They got old Thomas has got those genes. Okay. <laughs> so. When I tell you this story, know that it's true because I don't even believe it myself and it happened to me. Now, you got something to top that? You go on top that. You go on top that. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a crime scene tech and yeah, with this voice. So it's like police academy just a little bit, but not as like annoying. (laughs) You do kind of sound like Officer Hooks. (laughs) Darn here but not as so i got teased a lot and like um i don't know if you hear how i sound i sounded like this testifying in court you know like no no like they totally had all the blood like everywhere like i'm serious like this is me testifying in court. i was young i was young and i talk with my hands a lot it was a i was not the best person at crime scene so anyways this is not my story but it's my supervisor's story they get a call and it's this isn't paranormal but this is weird so they get a call. Um, a guy says that he has shot himself and his girlfriend, and she is laying in the middle of the road, and they can come get her. They arrive to the scene. The guy is um, standing outside. He has passed away. That's Mango. I don't know if everybody has met Mango. She well, let's Mango meet Mango. Huh? I said, well, let's meet Mango. Um, you have to meet her one day. Well, Mango knows you're lying, you too. Let's like, Hey, let me want to cut it and then can we cut it or keep going? Hey, no, no, it's it's all good. Mango's part of this. No, are you serious? Oh yeah, I'm I'm serious as a heart attack. Oh my god. Okay, all right. So my boss gets a call. The guy is um outside on the street. He has passed away. Mm -hmm. Right. Come and get her. The woman. Um. Now I don't know if everybody knows how things are set up, but when there is someone hurt or could be potentially hurt. EMS or the EMTs, not EMS, the EMTs will come in and try to save a life. So their goal is to save a life, whereas crime scene's goal is to collect evidence. So sometimes those kind things intertwine. So uh, they go in, the um, medical emergency workers go in first, and then crime scene people that have been doing the job for many, many years go in next. Then the detectives go in after that because they kind of get told, or at least for the county that I I've worked in. They get told what the scene is about and what's occurring. They see the girl, her face is down, blood everywhere. This is true story now. Blood everywhere. And they're like, you know what? She's obviously dead. No one checks her. No one does anything because she's obviously dead. So they're looking at the scene. They're like, we got to take pictures here. We got to pick up evidence here. We have to do all these different things. And they hear, mm. oh no. Everyone stops moving. 
Like, what the heck was that? Nothing happens anymore. They don't hear any additional sounds, so they keep talking again. Okay, we're going to get this. Now, let me give you the scene of the house. This house was a house that was kind of dilapidated, and it was kind of a hoarder's house. They didn't have electricity. And as you walked in, there was like newspapers lined up through the whole house. The whole house is covered in trash. So everyone had to walk single file into this bedroom. They hear, my head hurts. And all these grown people who have been working this job for many years run out the house. Because when someone is dead, they are supposed to be dead. That would have been the day I quit. That would have been the day I was like, you know what? Not doing this no more. She's alive to this day, by the way. To this day. Yeah. Mm, that's rough. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of the I house. Think I'm the first better. one out of the so, house. It was awesome. I show up at the scene, and for me, I have to draw the scene. And um, typically, the body is gone, but sometimes it can be there. It just depends on what's occurred before I get there. And for the position that I worked in, I didn't have a gun. I was strictly crime scene, so the cops had to come. I walk into the house. I'm asking, you know, after the cop has, you know, told me that what he thinks is was the entry position or what he thinks occurred. And then I tell him what I think occurred. I say, who is this sitting on the couch? And there's this person with their hand, like behind their head, just sitting up, just like they're watching TV. Shouldn't they be gone? I say, like, what is this? Is anybody going to say he's contaminated the scene? And the guy's like, well, that's, that's the dude. He got shot in the head. And the shot was so clean, he died right where he was sitting. That is so tough. Well, let's put it back on the listeners. We want to hear your weird, strange, and unusual stories. And in the meantime, I guess we need to, to move on. Absolutely. You know what? Where would you think that a broccoli would go to get some beer? Hmm. Where would a broccoli go to get some beer? Tell me. A salad bar. It's Suki's dad jokes. You're welcome. That was amazing. Come on. Salad <sighs> bar, broccoli, beer. You know, one day, one day, I'm going to get the accolades that I deserve. I can give you a gold medal. It won't be made out of real gold, but it's yours. Thank you. Because the quality of that medal <laughs> <laughs> probably matches the quality of that dad joke. And I don't have I don't I don't have a, a spicy retort this week. You know the the faux pod did me out last week. So how's your week been, Suki? Our, Tell me, please. It's been really good. I um I went to a hot pot place this week. Hot um, pot. Tell me what what is hot pot? <laughs> hot pot I would say is like Korean barbecue. You have all these choices, and you're basically going to cook your own food. But with the hot pot, they have all these soup bases like. Hey, you, you cook you know, your own? Sriracha, like, you know, like fondue. You ever been to Korean barbecue? I have. You know, you cook your own. You cook your own. Okay, food. I, I got you. I, I thought you were spitting like a like a Cosmo Kramer situation, where it's like you you you, you make your own pizza and you just make it all yourself. You're pounding the dough and you're throwing <laughs> your hands and feet in the in the oven to make your own. Okay, I thought this was one of those situations. I thought, well, people are just getting lazier and lazier. In the restaurant No, business. so you choose, you choose your soup base, right? And then it's okay. um, heated up in the middle of your your uh, seating area. And then you put the meat that you choose into the little the little mixture, get it all good, and then you eat it. And you okay. do meat and vegetables, and right? So it's like the subway of soups is what it is. There you go. Except you. most of it is written in a different language. So we were just looking at the pictures because they put pictures up for, for people who are like oh, yeah. not intelligent enough, myself. And so I'm like, give me that picture and give me that picture. And then she was like, 
oh, do you want the all you can eat, which is a terrible idea. That is a terrible idea, everyone. Do not do all you can eat because they're just laughing at you in the back because you cannot eat all that stuff. Even the first place. So, so they bring, no, they bring it out all together. It's like massive amount of meat because you're crazy behind said all you can eat. And then they're going to fill you back up, but you, you won't get past. Yeah, you're right. You won't get past that first huge, huge tray. Okay. So, um, we, we were with two teenage girls who have been watching those, what are those M, those videos where the people eat food, the M, M buck, something, buck, something. I can't think of the name. Where so they these eat girls, food and you know, yeah. What's like the, the, the ASMR, um, the sound. Okay. Yeah. yeah I yeah. can get down with that. So mm-hmm, these girls had a strategy. Like they were like, they were like going at it, like a whole, a whole strategy. And then the people walked by and told us they were ha- proud of us. Like it was like a community event, like how we were going at this food. It was pretty neat. I wonder we if people would watch a YouTube account or YouTube channel of me just slurping on different soups. Absolutely. Especially if you're slurping, they really yeah. like that. I, I like to slurp when I'm by myself, but like if I'm not by myself, then I, I want to stay quiet. I don't want like people looking over at me ever. You could be getting paid. I could be, man. But like <laughs> I, I would, I would do one of those things like when you take a really good sip of lemonade, you know, you'll slurp it uh-huh. and then ah, I won't do that after everyone. You think that'd be cool? Oh my God. They would love that. Man, people are weird for being into this stuff. No, you know what's weird? What happened to me before I went to the hot pot place? Oh. And then that'll that'll give you my week, my week so far. You ready? Well, tell me. Okay. So I'm standing in line, me and my daughter. We're just standing there. This guy walks in with his phone. True story. Walks in with his phone, homes in right on me and my daughter. Walks up to us and he says, I'll pay you a hundred dollars. I put my arm up like, what is this? Some child traffic ring thing? I will shut this whole block down. Like, I am ready. I've seen this on Twitter. I know the signs that I'm supposed to look out for. You know, what the heck is this? He said, no, no. I I need you to help me find my wife. What? You lost your wife? How did you, right? How did you lose your wife? You know, do we need to call the cops? He said, no, no. I pay you to call her. I said, okay. So there's like this language barrier thing. So I'm like trying to work with him, trying to get it out. And he's like, I need you to call her because she's not, she's not picking up the phone. I said, she's not picking up the phone. He said, no, I think she's, he does the international sound, you know, the symbol of getting it on with your hands. It's like, I think she's um, chicka wow wow. I don't know that sign, that international sign. I am not. You know that sign. That means you're getting it on. That means you're getting it on. Sir, I am not going to help you find your cheating wife. I'm not going to do that. He wanted he wanted me to call to see if she would pick up. And I was like, do you hear how American I sound right now? Like, hello, please tell me if you're local. No, no. That's what happened to me today or should, the other day. You should have brought him with you to read that menu. I just, it would, that's why I know it was a setup because why didn't he talk to people that could have communicated with him? So everybody's like, yo, it was just a hundred dollars, but I was a crime scene tech and I don't need DC Metro saying, you know, Suki. Your number was the last number on this person who is in a ditch. Absolutely not. And no why way. is there blood on this money? Why is there blood on this money? I mean, first no, of all, no, have no. you ever seen any that didn't? Hey. Mm, that's deep. Well, you know, hey. <laughs> you know, okay, so you went to a, a hot pot place. I got an idea. This is actually older okay. than this week. You know, so it's not really how was my week. How was my last couple of weeks? 
that I'm going to start making some aguas frescas. Do you know what aguas frescas are? Are you flexing on me with your language skills? You damn right. Okay, no, I do not know what that is. Okay, well, an agua fresca is when you go to, say, a Mexican restaurant and you see those little tanks of, it looks like fruit juice, but it's actually concentrated. And it's like agitating, right? So they're bubbling, right? Because it's got to stay continuously mixing so it doesn't settle. Those are agua frescas. It means, it literally translates to fresh water. Okay, but that's, you know, a a loose translation because there are no word for word translations. It's always an equivalent. Sure, it's an equivalent. But agua fresca, my favorite is pineapple. So I got me a pineapple. I learned how to 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 slice and dice a pineapple to the point where I am wasting little to none. Okay, I want the maximum amount. A fruit flesh, and that sounds sexy as hell. The fruit flesh. Yeah. Okay. That's what I want. And so you take that fruit, you blend it all up, and then you add some water, you add a little sugar, depending on how much you want. But I'm using substantially <laughs> less sugar in this agua fresca than I would be using in my sweet tea that is always in my refrigerator. So I think I'm lessening <laughs> my sugar intake by I doing like this, that. and I'm getting those antioxidants. That pineapple is notoriously known to have, okay? Right. So I tried it with cantaloupe, which I love. I tried it with watermelon. The watermelon is probably my favorite to take my my protein powder with, but it tastes a little bit earthy, okay? It tastes a little... But that's probably me from all these years of drinking processed drinks. You know what I'm saying? Maybe maybe it's supposed to be earthy like that. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't taste earthy to me. You ain't had any. All you... You may have eaten watermelon, but you haven't drank the agua, agua de melon or agua oh, de sandia. <sighs> Make me so mad sometimes. First of all, I was going to give you a compliment that maybe you're getting in tune with the earth. But now that you flexed on me yet again, you know, one day I'm going to learn another language and, and everybody's going to be worried. You, I you, hope, you I hope you do. I hope you do. And I always find it funny, um, you. you know, on a lot of message boards and maybe um, just public forums when somebody might make a comment. And it's obvious from their name that maybe English isn't their first language, but here they are typing in English, right? So that tells me they speak at least two languages. At least, yeah. And then here comes some Larry Scruggs or somebody like that, knowing damn well he don't speak but one and don't even speak it good. And right. he wants to, and wants to try to, to roast some dude who obviously speaks multiple languages. I, I don't know. I, I, help me follow the logic on that. I never understood it. I don't know how I got onto that, but it's just a a, a thing that kind of really really gets to me when I when I see that. But hey, you know what? We got a good look at our Washington Commanders this week, did we not? Yeah, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, Release pretty of a exciting. New song. See, now that is something that I didn't think was going to happen. I thought they were going to leave it alone, but it's almost like just a, an HTTR remix. Nothing really new to it, right? Mm-hmm. Just change a few Nothing words. New. That's that screams lack of effort to me is what that screams. But hey, we got to look at some of the young guys, you know, the Sam okay. Howell at QB. He looked pretty good. That's also folks complaining about the completion percentage, but like using completion percentage to say your quarterback isn't doing well. It's like using batting average. To say a guy can't hit. It's like there's so much more context. OK, predictive stats yeah. are like more prevalent in player analysis these days. And I like that. I like predictive stats. 
And I, I don't think football's there yet when it comes to useful stats. Um, you know, people want to talk about, well, this was his completion percentage. He threw the ball this many times and he only caught it this many times, or this is yeah. his yards. Per That's only descriptive. That's only saying what he did do, but it gives no context as to what the situation was when he did those things. So that's why it's a little bit funny when people use that stat sheet. But that's all I'm going to say about it. We didn't win the game. Uh, we missed a, I think we missed an extra point. They won on a field goal, but hey, it's, it's the preseason. I, I think we got a lot of stuff to build on. Yeah, I'm excited. I think one thing I want to see is a strong QB, somebody that the uh, players feel good around. Um, haven't seen that in a while. Somebody who can actually lead them and someone they look up to. Looking forward to seeing if he'll pull that off. Yeah, I think Heineke is a good leader as a motivator and a guy who leads by example because he's got a lot of hustle. He just lacks some of the physical traits. And mm -hmm. that's, you want the physical traits along with the leadership. And here's the thing though, a lot of people question Carson Wentz and his leadership. You know, he's got a strong arm, pretty strong yeah. arm, but in the past, yeah. his leadership's been questioned. Now, whether yeah. that was, um, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't fair. Maybe they didn't right. want him in Indy and they acted like they did not. Cause there's, right. face it, Jim Ursay right. is, you know, he, he was caught with, uh, you know, a little bit of that booger sugar a few years ago and barely got slapped on the wrist for it. So it's not like his character is at the, the highest, you know, pinnacle of, you know, the embodiment of a good GM. Right. But right. to me, Carson Wentz seems like an all right guy. And like the only way I can judge him is by how he treats my team. Right. Okay. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let him see, uh, see his way through it. I mean, he'll see his way through it or he'll see his way out. One way or another. We love paying people to leave, boy. So I'm ready. <laughs> That's a fact. Well, a bit of sad news. We did lose famed action director Wolfgang Peterson. Did you hear that, Suki? No, I didn't. Yeah, we lost Wolfgang Peterson. Like he, uh, he's one of those guys that you kind of describe him as a part action movie, part disaster movie kind of a director. Um, <laughs> you know, he had, uh, Air Force One, The Perfect Storm. Hell, he even did uh, The Never-Ending Story, you know, popular oh. kids movie. Yeah, he's the one who directed that. So we lost him not uh, a few days ago. Pretty sad. Anne Heche. We lost Anne Heche. And to me, my biggest memory, my most important role for Anne Heche was in the remake to Hitchcock's Psycho. A lot of people dumped on this movie, and I don't know why. Nobody really? can, nobody seems to quantify why it wasn't good. It was, it was shot for shot, basically. Well, guess what? A lot of good mm -hmm. films are shot for shot. Funny games was shot for shot. Okay. Mm -hmm. Psycho being shot for shot did not bother me whatsoever. Vince Vaughn, very good deadpan actor. Mm -hmm. And Heche, okay, maybe she wasn't the Hollywood starlet eye candy actress that Janet Lee was. Right. But she played the, the, the role very well. And then if anybody's got a word to say about Bill H. Macy as the detective, <laughs> I'll slap the yellow off his teeth. Okay. Because Bill H. Macy can do any goddamn thing he wants to do. Cause That's he true. is, he is that guy. And Heche, unfortunately, suffered a head injury as a result of an automobile accident. She'd had some issues going into, uh, 2022 as it was, um, probably was not in the best of health. That doesn't change the fact that 
she was a valued member of our favorite genre of film, and that's what we're here to celebrate. So, yes, most definitely R.I.P. Anne Heche. What say you? Amazing actress. And if you are struggling with any type of addiction, please, you know, seek help and make sure you reach out to someone, even if it's just making sure you have a check-in buddy. Even if it's just a stranger on Twitter. Yes, I love people checking in. It's my favorite thing. People DM strangers every day with the most vicious attacks, and those get answered. You reaching out to somebody because you're having a, a moment of weakness, I seriously doubt that's going to raise any kind of eyebrows. You're going to be just fine reaching out to people who you follow and that follow you because that's what the mutual follow is all about. We were just talking about how uh, we've got mutual follows who we don't talk, we never talk to, but when we do, we talk to them as if we talked to them yesterday. Didn't we just have that conversation? We talked about a mutual follow. I believe her name is Jenny from the block. We said, you know what? I never talk to Jenny, but when I do, it's always pleasant and it's never weird. If I was struggling and and I said, hey, you know what? I just saw Jenny tweet five seconds ago. I need to tell her I'm having a hard time. I bet she'd be like, hey, how can I help? Reach out. It, it really is that simple. And hopefully you get the help that you need. Exactly. Thank you. Thanks, Jenny. That was awesome. Well, I guess it's about time for us to go ahead and start looking at the upcoming film, or I guess maybe the uh, the films that are available right mm-hmm. now, Suki. We've got a mm-hmm. lot, but you know we talked last week about Day Shift with Jamie Foxx, the the film Fall, uh, the survival horror with the the girls at the top of the radio tower. A couple mm-hmm. more films that are available right now, Suki, on DVD. You mm-hmm. uh, you saw the preview to Frank and Penelope. I did. I did. I really like uh, the way this looks. Um, I was kind of confused on Sean Patrick Flannery's role in this because... Yeah, I'm still lost. I watched it four times. I was waiting on you to tell me something special, but I see now. (laughs) Well, apparently he's in it as well, but he does direct it. But he's listed on the cast, like the the, the acting cast. And that's where I was confused because... As I read, well, let me just read the, uh, the synopsis. Let me just do one better and read the synopsis. So Frank, who's played by Billy Budenich and his girlfriend Penelope, Kaylee Cowan, Hammer, by the way, if okay. I may say so, they find themselves miles from civilization while traveling along a deserted stretch of dirt road. As darkness falls, they come upon a small motel. Never like small motels in the desert. Okay, but there's a diner and they decide to rest for the night. And the next day, after they rob that diner, they suddenly become immersed in a hellish nightmare when the proprietor of the motel and diner, Chisos, Kaisos, Chisos, don't know, played by Jonathan Shake. He's a mm-hmm. psychotic, cannibalistic Bible thumper, aren't they all though? Along with the sadistic family played by Donna DiErico. You might remember her back in the Playboy days. And Lynn Shay, who's I mean, that's that's horror royalty. Paranormal horror royalty, by the way. They take Frank and Penelope on a life and death journey where escape is just a heart pounding breath away. It soon's become apparent they are not the first to endure this, but these two will either get out together or go out together. And again, stars Kaylee Callan, Billy Budenich, Donna Dierico, Lynn Shea, Kevin Dillon, and Jonathan Shake. And as well as Sean Pat- Patrick Flannery, who directs it. But this one is, uh, 
it's rated R for strong, violent mm-hmm. content. Sexual right, content. Right. I think, yeah. I think it, it moves pretty, it looks like it's going to move pretty fast. Like it looks like it's giving you, I don't know, the way the trailer was coming at me. It looks like it's going to be giving you a lot of information. So maybe that was what I was having a hard time process. So if it's all of those things in one, I don't know. I don't see where it could go wrong. Oh, yeah, uh, they describe this horror. as uh, being in the vein of mm-hmm. such films as True Romance, which I love, okay. written by Quentin Tarantino, and Wild at Heart, uh, directed again by action uh, actor-turned-filmmaker Sean Patrick Flannery, known for Boondock mm-hmm. Saints, among other things. And this one is available right now. Um, where is it available? Uh, on demand? On DVD? On DVD. No, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. It is... Now I don't mm-hmm. see it. Yeah, now on DVD, there it is. I like this one. It, this is very much a Bonnie and Clyde kind of situation, except right. where Bonnie and Clyde get caught up, and Bonnie and Clyde probably get tortured. Really like the look of this one. Okay. I'll be excited to see it. Um, I still need to finish up um, They Slash Them, which I will be doing tomorrow. So I'll be giving you my full review of that one. But so yeah, you say I'm that excited. you started it, but haven't finished it? No, no, no. I need to start it. You need to start it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we talked a little bit about that one, mm-hmm. and I kind of swerved the public a little bit when I said there was one thing I didn't like, and everybody thought it was going to be the gay sex, but uh-huh. no, it's the uh-huh. fucking sing along, and I still hate it. <laughs> and I was okay. wrong. It's a. It was a pink song, not Katy Perry. Oh, okay. You remember, Why? I couldn't. I, I didn't know so who sang cute. it. I was. I was damn close though, wasn't I? No, 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 you were not. I was. They have, like, very similar vocal styles. No, no, they do not. How do Um, they not? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, like, You have to be a fan of both of them to be able to to discern both their voices. If you don't care about either one of them, they both sound the same. I I can see that. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, but Pink is transcendent she is not labeled to one thing she is everything and Katy perry another another princess in the pop and no these two but i see what you're saying if you're not involved in the world how can you understand okay i also like that song by dolly parton firework dolly parton another royal you're just throwing out royalty and just giving (laughs) them no do no, guys. <laughs> Listen, God. Dolly Parton is Tennessee royalty, okay? So she would World. forgive me being a fellow Tennessean. Wide royalty. She's worldwide, like Stevie Nicks. These are women of royalty. Okay, moving on. Next movie. Next movie. Night's End. In Night's End, an anxious shut-in, much probably like myself, he unwittingly moves into a haunted apartment which I might have here as well, and hires a mysterious stranger to perform an exorcism, which takes a horrific turn. Do exorcisms ever go right? Not that I know of. Not that I know of, right. I've never been involved when it went right. But this one stars Gino Walker, Michael Mm -hmm. Shannon, who I'm a big fan of as well. Both of those guys are strong actors. Kate Arrington and Daniel Kyrie. This one uh, also on DVD right now. It's uh, under the supernatural category, as you might guess. This is directed by Jennifer Reeder. I uh, believe this one is going to debut on Shudder as well. Oh, I don't know wow. if it's already on there, but we need to check that out. Yeah, I would love to see this one. This one has me interested. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, again, this is something I've gone back to a few times. Supernatural is not normally my thing, 
this one uh, with the, uh, the the calls on cam, the, the, the FaceTime, it looked really good because there's like stuff going on behind him. You just got to check out the trailer. Night's in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's yes. look at some stuff that's coming up on the horizon, down the road, down the pipe, if you will, Suki. Okay. okay. Now there's a Shutter original. It's going to be dropping on Thursday, August 18th. Okay. And it is called Glorious. Now, let let me just get in the frame of mind to even talk to you about this. Okay. Okay, because this takes a real, it's going to take a real man to talk about this and not break down. Okay. After a breakup, Wes, who's played by Ryan Quanton, he ends up at a remote de- uh, rest, to- rest stop. Oh, see, I can't even talk. I'm too mad. So emotional. So emotional. He finds himself locked inside the bathroom. With a mysterious figure speaking from an adjacent stall. And that nope. is pl- that's played by J.K. Simmons. Um, nope. Soon, Wes realizes he's involved in a situation more terrible than he could imagine. Now, let me let me just paint a picture for what this trailer shows you okay. to the listener. I want you guys to check this out because it is something to behold. It is glorious in its own right, okay? Guy wakes up face face down in the dirt. He wakes up with a really bad stomach issue, but he's not wearing any pants, okay? He's wearing a button-up shirt like he just came from an interview, but he's not wearing any pants. He's just got his boxers mm-hmm. on. It's kind of how I work during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the management sees me, and they're like, ah, oh, this guy's put together. They don't realize nothing going on down below. So, uh-huh. you know, that's how we do it, working from home. But he runs in. He he, he wakes up. He runs into the, to the restroom because it looks like they're at a rest stop, like I said. And he's just throwing up his guts into the toilet, okay? Now, in the meantime, I'm one of those who likes to observe the environment, mm-hmm. see what's going on, um, maybe out of focus, just kind of guess what's going on. Well, on the, the stall wall there, there's a, a basically a mini mural painted beside him where the guy is throwing his guts up. <laughs> and it's a woman with the head of, I don't know, some sort of, I don't know what you would call it, it's not Cthulhu. It's not like some kind of Medusa-like situation, but it's definitely a, a demon or a creature of some kind with a woman's body, and she's got her knees up behind, between her ears, and she's um she's touching that thing. Okay, I'm just okay. gonna be just gonna be clear about it. Well, where her mouth is, there's a hole cut out, and rest stop, bathroom, hole in the wall. You do the math, right? Okay? Right. Okay. Well, on the other side, though. You hear a voice say, everything okay over there? Oh, nope. And I guess no. that is J.K. Simmons. It sounded like oh, J.K. Oh. Simmons. You don't see the person. I'm not down mm. with it, Suki. <laughs> I said no like four minutes ago. No, no. Yeah. And no. you've been saying it on a timer, and I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Throwing up, no. No pants, no. Guy in the other no. stall, no. Glory hole, no. Boys from the, no. Mm-mm, that sounds terrible, but, but it's, it's already thinking, it's already a nightmare to be in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, just think about this: somebody just walks in. It doesn't matter. Like they could be like the most mild-mannered person, like absolutely no ill will towards anyone, and I'm still going to stop everything I'm doing. I'm stopping the flow of any liquids, solids, or gases. Until that person leaves. I might not even okay. breathe. I might not even okay. breathe until they go. Right. <laughs> that That's already a nightmare. Right. Absolutely. Now, wake up at a rest stop. 
face down in the dirt. You're throwing up. Then a guy speaks from this hole in the wall. Yeah, you lost me. Definitely a horror. Yeah. Oh, it's it's Absolutely. a horror. D- director Rebecca McKendry was quoted saying about this one that Glorious speaks to her love of cosmic horror, okay. okay, gore, absurdist humor, philosophy, and the type of transgressive movies that leave you thinking, I can't believe I just saw that. You know, when I talk about cosmic horror, Suki, you could really encapsulate that in... It's a really difficult thing to, to put into words until you think about somebody like H.P. Lovecraft, okay? Okay. Cosmic horror and Lovecraftian horror are interchangeable words. Okay. Okay, you don't think about a force that's of this earth and is actively there out to get you, okay? It's not so much... It's not so much about what can come and get you that you that you can see. It's about finally realizing that something was there all along okay. behind the scenes. Almost mm-hmm. like you've been walking on this skin of an earth when when you peel back that skin and you realize that there's something there there was something there all along. It's mm-hmm. it really is something that's unknown and unknowable and that fear that makes cosmic horror if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah yeah absolutely it can get very dark and i love it it sounds interesting it really i mean glory glory yes glory i see what they did there so okay okay <laughs> you you like that play on words yeah glorious. yeah i see what they did there that okay. is a glorious hole in the wall i shall not touch mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. well let's okay. talk about a film starring probably the handsomest damn devil uh between America or England, okay? And I don't want to even narrow it down to those two countries, but this one stars Idris Elba, okay? Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? Calm, right. calm down, calm down. Right, right. Okay. What is it? I'm ready. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, Elba plays Dr. Date, Nate Daniels, uh, a, rel- a recently widowed husband who returns to South Africa where he first met his wife on a long planned trip with her daughters to a game reserve Managed by Martin Battles, who's played by Charlotte Copley. You might remember him from the, the Russian Doll series, Maleficent, mm-hmm. and uh, the A-Team. I think he mm-hmm. played uh, uh, Murdoch on the uh, A-Team. But he's an old family family friend and a wildlife biologist. But what begins mm-hmm. as a journey of healing jolts into a fearsome fight for survival when a lion, a survivor of a bloodthirsty poacher, who now sees all humans as the enemy begins to stalk him. Now, to me, to me, this is, this is the ultimate because it's not just a straight up villain, right? Yeah. A lot of times when these films happen, you, you start to maybe feel for the animal mm-hmm. because the animal was done wrong. Yeah. By, by us. Mm-hmm. Maybe the collective us. And this one is, uh, Kind of gives me vibes, very different vibes. But if you want to take a look at a, at a classic film that did not get its deserved flowers, it's a film called Orca, the Killer Whale. Hmm. And Orca, the Killer Whale was about a male orca mm-hmm. who witnessed his female companion and their baby murdered by poachers. Oh, my God. They were basically shooting at the at the male orca. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they tagged as Finn, ended up hitting the mother, mother dies, the baby gets thrown off, uh, thrown overboard, 
I'm sorry. Let me let me go back for a second. Not just his baby, his unborn baby, who's cut out of the the stomach of the the female orca on board the vessel and then tossed overboard with no way to survive. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the male orca goes off on a a rampage. And like at one point, you're asking yourself, like, who really is the villain here? Who's the protagonist? Who's the antagonist? I feel like this is something we're gonna get from this. And man, if if I was if I said that Idris Elba wasn't the guy to deliver in this, I'd be damn lying. <laughs> lying, get it? Yeah. Oh, oh, Lord. And when is it coming out? This one is dropping Friday, August 19th in theaters. Wow. Yeah, and Glorious okay. is on Shudder. I, I, I think I forgot to mention that. Okay. Wow. That sounds awesome. Does it not? I mean, I've, I've seen the previews to this already on TV. A, a lot of the things we talk about, maybe we miss on TV. So we got to really dig for it. But this one, big deal. Could be a blockbuster and everybody loves a good creature feature. Yeah. Wow. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Also dropping Friday the 19th is The Immaculate Room. Mm-hmm. It's about Mike, who's played by Emil Hirsch and Kate who's played by Kate Bosworth. Apparently she couldn't remember her own name, so they had to give her the same name and character. A seemingly perfect couple, they join a psychological experiment to compete for $5 million if they can last 50 days in a sleek white room in complete isolation. That sounds like my everyday life, except for the white room. With Mm. no phones and no family, Suki, the only voice that they're going to hear is the immaculate room itself keeping them in check if they think of straying. But as the clock ticks down, the room becomes more than it seems, putting them through cruel tests to break their resolve and resurfacing private demons, which they may not survive. I like the sound of that, a little isolation horror. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really do like Kate Bosworth. I was joking about them not being able to remember her lines, you know, we her, her, her name. I mean, I, I do like Kate Bosworth. And, you know, you, you look for things in people to kind of identify with. And we're actually both Buddhists. And I didn't know really? that about her. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not like a Scientologist where I want to know all the celebrity Scientologists. I mean, I'm just, just who I am, you know. Um, but learning that she was Buddhist kind of made me, okay, let me check out her work. And I actually do like a lot of her work. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, okay. you, know who else is, you know who else is Buddhist? Who? Tina Turner. Yep. Yep. She is. She is. She's our I Tom have, Cruise. Huh? She's our Tom Cruise. I have two Buddhist neighbors as well. That's pretty awesome. I'm going to come stay with them and come over to your house and eat all your food. They would love that. (laughs) But this one is described as a a psychological mystery thriller. That's strike one, two, and three right there. I'm ready to go out and see it. (laughs) I don't know. Something about a full white room is not making me happy, but that's probably the whole point. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 There are things put in film a lot of times, Suki, that... When you hear people, I guess, critiquing the film, especially in horror and, you know, maybe in, you know, some psychological thrillers as well. Um, the key word there is psychological. Yeah. There are some things there that are supposed to make you uncomfortable. Yep. Yep. Cause you're, if you go in and everything's just, you know, you know, roses and lilies, then you, it, what job has it done for you? It, it's done nothing. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. So right. again, it goes back to, I, I love bringing up this scenario. But in the opening of When a Stranger Calls, when that phone call or that phone ringing gets louder and louder and louder every time it happens, it's building up to something until the ultimate right. end of that scene. So, yeah, if if I'm uncomfortable watching a film like this, then it's done its job. Exactly. Great point. 
And then finally, Orphan First Kill. Did you ever see the first Orphan film? Yes, yes, I did. It was made 13 years ago. It was a while ago. It does not feel like 13 years. No. Not even close. So you wonder, how are they going to make Isabel Furman look younger in this film? Because this is actually a prequel. Thus the name First Kill. They really like these prequels. Yeah. What is it? Is it um, CGI? Are they using makeup? Like, what? what is happening? I think a little okay. bit of both. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of times the prequel comes from the fact that they make a story with the intention of it being a one and done. Mm-hmm. And then that green starts rolling in. <laughs> it's like, you know what? We can't just stop with one orphan movie. We got to make another one. It's like, well, we already killed the bitch. Well, then let's make an old one. I don't think she died in the in the, the first one. Okay. I and could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. Is it is it being released in theaters or like Netflix or? So also on yeah. August 19th, Friday, August 19th, it releases on in theaters and video on demand. Okay. So again, reprising her role as Esther is Isabel Furman. It also stars Julia Stiles and Rossif Sutherland of the famed Sutherland clan. And this was rated R for bloody violence, language, brief sexual content. Please don't let it be the girl. And yeah, Paramount Players are going to distribute this one. And apparently, you know, being a, being a prequel, the filmmakers are utilizing a combo of forced pr- perspective shooting and a world-class makeup team to make Esther look young again. So that answers your question right there. Awesome. Yeah, and this was awesome. directed by William Brent Bell, who directed The Devil Inside, The Boy 1 and 2, and written by David Coxhall, who wrote the Scream TV series, The Haunting in Connecticut, and Prey, the, the recent <laughs> Predator prequel. Yeah. So there's some talent involved in this one. Yeah, definitely. Plenty of it. Well, you know what time it is, Suki. It is uh, it's time to get our special guest in here. Um, Can't wait to talk to this guy. I've been uh, going back and forth with him on on social media for a few days now, wanting to nail down a time when we could talk. Cannot wait to get him on. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to be joined by the director of such horrors as Nailbiter, I Am Lisa, and Arbor Demon, as well as the new film that you can see right now on Popcorn Frights until August 21st, They Wait in the Dark, the great Patrick Ray. Don't go away. Hey everyone, Christian Rout here from Slasher Sports. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. If so, do us a favor and like, subscribe, and share so our audience can grow and we can keep giving you more of your favorite content moving forward. Find all of our work on SlasherSports.com and on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Slasher Sports, as well as Instagram at Slasher Sports Media. And of course, be sure to continue to tune in to the Slasher Sports Show anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, always free and available. New episodes published daily during the week. Once again, thank you so much and always for your support. And now back to the show. I don't want to be telling tales out of school here, but we are here with director and co-producer of the film They Wait in the Dark. Thank you for coming on to the show and welcome, Mr. Patrick Ray. Thank you for having me. We are ecstatic that you would come on. And it was really short notice. Um, I believe we talked less than a week ago and really nailed down this time. I think uh, it kind of fit in between your schedule, did it not? Yeah, it's perfect. It was perfect with my schedule. I'm actually attending a film festival. I'm leaving next Monday. So, oh, so this is perfect timing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. 
Most definitely. And this film, uh, They Wait in the Darks, does star Sarah McGuire, Lori Winkle, Patrick McGee. And if we're playing Six Degrees of Separation here, Patrick, I need to mention Dan Daly, <laughs> who stars in a, a short film directed by hopefully next week's guest, Mr. Ben Schatzel. Ben says, uh, you know, Dan somehow finds his way into any project done in Kansas City. <laughs> and that's why he's so loved yeah. there. Uh, true story. What's it? He uh he plays the motel uh the guy running the motel in the in this movie and he did a fantastic job. I mean it's just effortless. <laughs> so he came in and he added his own little nuances to the role, even though it's like a one scene role, you know, he made it yeah. his own. So, well it's like, his it, now. I didn't even yeah. I didn't even notice till I was editing the movie where I was like, Wait, he did something there where he like fixes his hair when Sarah McGuire in. I'm like I didn't tell him to do that, but that's awesome. <laughs> well, I, we're going to have to go back and watch that, Suki. Do, uh, did you notice that, though, Suki? When, when you, I know you saw Remission, which is uh, Ben's uh, film. Uh, did you yeah. notice that was him at the at the hotel? As the, the, I did. The mo- and I was yeah. really excited. I'm one of those people like, oh, that's him from. And then I snap, you know, for 20 minutes, yeah. and then I get it. So, yeah, I was really <laughs> excited. You know, got look you know and that's what i think helps you know really works for him you know it gets some very interesting character roles i think so yeah no doubt and when i saw him i said is that him and then i had to i had to do the imdb look up i was ashamed that i didn't recognize it from the beginning but at least i had the thoughts so uh, thoughts accounts but patrick you've uh you've worn a lot of hats in the filmmaking industry like was your goal always to direct uh, yeah, it's always been my goal. I, I mean, since I was able to understand what movies were, I mean, really since I was a kid, I, you know, my parents, um, you know, I was a kid in the eighties. So I was watching star Wars and Indiana Jones and Jaws and all those movies. And that's kind of what got me into it. So I've always wanted to be a director, even in film school. Mm-hmm. I obviously have to wear many hats cause I'm working with a budget and I'm also an editor. So that actually really helps. And I kind of think that being an editor actually fits well with being a director because you have to understand what shots you need to make the scenes work. No, and you're being so humble right now. You've yeah, done the I'm sick of, it. Cycle of a whole movie. Like I've seen your credits. It's not just like one small part. It's like all of the parts you have been involved from the beginning to the end. It's a pretty amazing run. Yeah. yeah we're sick the- of your lies. We're sick of your <laughs> lies. <laughs> By the end of the process, I'm always kind of like, what have I created? So, um, you know, it's interesting because it's like when you're editing a movie that you've shot, it actually, it's good because you know what takes work when you were getting them on set. So you can kind of, there's a little bit more of a shorthand. You don't have to, you know, if you're an editor and you're taking on a project that you weren't involved with, you have to kind of get yourself familiar with the material. Uh, in my case, I wrote the script. And so I, I and I knew what takes work. I cast the movie. Um, and again, like so much of it is in the casting because I'm like, I look, I have I had 12 days to shoot this movie uh, from start to finish. And so I'm like, I don't have time to do more than three or four takes before I have to keep moving with them, you know. And so it's really important to in the process of casting, really get the people, you know, are going to show up and have done their background on the characters, understand mm-hmm. where they're coming from and nail it. And I wrote this movie for Sarah McGuire because I've worked with her before. And so she was the person I wrote the script for. And uh, so I knew going, I was going to have a very strong lead. And uh, Lori Winkle, I cast, she actually was based out of Kansas City for years. And then she moved to Atlanta. So when I cast her, she was living in Atlanta, but now she lives in Paris. So it's like, <laughs> glad we got everything 
needed to get with her at this point. So, <laughs> uh, and then Patrick McGee, he was a first. It was the first time I'd worked with him, but he's the grandson of a lot of the of uh, several local actors here in town in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And um, Paige, who plays the best friend, was kind of a I. I had never seen her before and she auditioned for the role and she, I thought she nailed it. And so mm-hmm. we, her and I really, honestly, the four those four lead characters were the ones I was most concerned about. Cause I knew that they had to show up and really nail each, each scene. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Just, amazing. Just amazing process. Yeah. And usually I storyboard. Um, I usually storyboard out the movie in this case, because I wrote the script and there, there were a few sequences that I, I needed to kind of sketch out, but most of it was all shot lists. Um, cause storyboarding out of a full length movie is a very long and tedious process. And so, um, the crew that I worked with on this movie, I've worked on, um, several movies with over the last 10 years. So there's again, a shorthand where everyone's worked together for so long that they're kind of reading each, each other's minds and, you know, finishing each other's sentences, which is a good place to be with a crew. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of times you're working with a different crew every time in this case, because I, I've, I've stayed in Kansas city. Um, I've worked with a lot of the same people over the years. And then these are people that I went to college film school with AUs. Um, so it's just coming that, full circle. That's kind of interesting. It's an awesome battle rhythm. Like you kind of know what's next exactly. and who's going to be you. And you know, who you reach out to right at that moment. That's yeah. Awesome. It's exa- and it really does save time because that's where because you've got 12 days. Luckily we picked a location where <laughs> I had, I was friends with somebody who was like, I have this, this house and it's outside of Topeka, Kansas. And it's been fairly deserted since 2005 or maybe a little later. Um, and they were trying to sell it, but she's like, you know, do you need it for a movie? And I'm like, actually, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> so it worked out. And when we, when we were other, like, oh, because, you know, what was a little worrisome is that um, all the crews based out of Kansas City. And so Topeka is about an hour and 15 minutes away. So we, we knew that we were going to have to get hotels for everybody. And we had a very small budget. So I was concerned about, you know, obviously having to pay for a hotel. But then we were also like, this location is perfect and we're never going to find something better than this without having to take somebody's current house. And then you'd have to put that family in a hotel while we filmed in their house. I mean, there's all these variables. So um, this house was deserted. The only thing that was challenging about it was that she was renovating it as we're filming. So I'm like, okay, we got to get all the scenes done in the kitchen by tomorrow because she's in somebody to put in new cupboards. And so it's not going to look like the same kitchen. She would have, um, like a, a construction crew in there from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then we would show up at 5 p.m. and shoot till 5 a.m. With brand so, new cabinets. Yeah, we were <laughs> going a little bit. But it was fine because by the time the new cabinet showed up, we were done in the kitchen. So those are the kind of things that we had to kind of deal with. But it was fine. It was fine. And it, it, it really was one of those things where we showed up at the house and we're like, this is too, this is so perfect that we're going to have to actually make it a little bit more crew um there was some stuff that needed to be cleaned up. I said, don't clean it up too much because right. it needs, needs to look like an abandoned house. But we had to also make it where we were okay to sit down. <laughs> you know, we had to make it kind of safe. It actually work, yeah. Yeah, because no I mean, doubt. A, the cellar was still, was the cellar was part of the house too. And, and um, so I've had a couple people when they watch the movie, um, because it's a haunted house, it's sort of a haunted house movie. It's a domestic thriller mixed with um, a haunted house movie. And I, I, just to kind of describe it so that, you know your listeners can it's a about a mom and a son who are on the run she's on the run from her ex 
girlfriend. She takes refuge in her childhood home, which is in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. And then it turns into a haunted house movie. So she's got this situation where there's a haunting inside the house, but then she also has to hide from the ex-girlfriend who's closing in on her. And so there's like these two threats. One is very real while the other one is supernatural. And, um, you know, for me, the challenge was trying to come up with a story that, uh, had a different vantage point because I, I mean, I feel like every, I feel like so many haunted house movies have been done. Mm. So I was trying to come up with something that um, was fresh. I was like, okay, so what do you do? So I was like, well, you can combine two genres, you know, kind of the domestic thriller and then combined it with um, the haunted house movie. And my problem with most haunted house movies, I was, I'm always like, why the hell do people not just get up and leave? Like, right. you know, like the just second if something moves in my house, I'm out, I'm gone, you know? And so I was... You have to have something keeping you there. Right. So that was... I had. I was like, okay, this ex-girlfriend is coming. She has to stay put. She doesn't have a car. She doesn't want to get her friend involved because of her safety. So she doesn't want to stay there. So they're kind of isolated. And by the time that she realizes what's happening inside the house, it's too late. The, you know, so and without giving too much away... Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and obviously we shot this in the middle of COVID. So I wanted to make it, you know, something where I didn't have a ton of actors, you know what I'm saying? Cause it was one yeah. of those movies where I was like, okay, I wrote this for four actors and basically a couple locations. And, you know, I wanted to keep the crew to a minimum. So we had to keep it to maybe 10 crew members. So I knew that it had to be something that we could do efficiently, you know, in 12 days and keep people safe from getting sick. And luckily we shot it june 2021 so most everybody was vaccinated at that point and it was right before um i'm not sure what the next whatever the next variant was that took off literally like right at delta it was like right before delta took off so we found this really nice window of time to film the movie everybody felt safe everybody wore masks still but generally everybody felt very safe and um a lot of people were wearing masks because they just didn't want dust from the house getting in their lungs (laughs) yeah i was gonna say that as well that that could be like uh almost as big an issue as like any you know outside threats like what you've got right there inside the house um but you know i actually didn't know that you wrote this film i I looked on imdb and i i was like who wrote this because i want to talk about the you know the writer as well as the director and there's just no writing credit there that i found uh it could have been me but yeah we definitely got to get that updated yeah. Um, so I did write the script and I wrote it again. Like I wrote it November, December of 2020, which is funny because I, I, you know, 2020 was a rough year for everybody. I, uh-huh. you know, I, I've been an independent filmmaker for so long. If my cat is making noise behind me, she wants to make a cameo in this. In this. Uh, Hi. My dog did earlier. So I yeah. Yeah. Listen, like right before I jumped on the, uh, the call with with Suki earlier, I had to feed. Um, I, I have a, like five guinea pigs. <laughs> I had to feed them right as I I, I pressed play or pressed uh, call, so they would be over there squeaking in the yeah, background. Yeah, or making yeah, they're like squeaking for food. Yeah, I don't know the cat. The cat. It's so funny because the cat just loves to be on camera. Whenever I'm doing anything like that, the cat jumps in. Um, the cat really wants to be in the film. It's funny. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, I wrote, the, I wrote the script while, um, we were like at the tail end of 2020 and I got a lot of writing done during the pandemic. That was just one of the, 
one of those things. Uh, but it's funny because I haven't actually written a script since then because I started doing prep on this movie and then I'm editing the movie. So it's like I'm handling pre-production, production, post-production. And now we're involved with getting it seen in film festivals and doing like finding a distributor for it, which is a whole other um, a whole other thing, you know. And so letting my cat out, by the way. No, wait. When you say 12, when you say 12 days, are you? 12 days on yourself or did you like is it a budget thing or like when people say we only have 14 days like is it because of all these other outside factors that are in there speaking because it was a 12-day shoot we only had enough money to basically film that long Mm -hmm. um okay that's the main reason like my film before that i did before that was called i am lisa and we shot that in 14 days right before um that was in that we shot that in 2019 and then we ended up premiering it in 2020 um, so I'm used to these very, very tight schedules generally because you just can't afford it. You know, the more days you get, the more expensive the movie gets because you got to yeah. pay, you got to pay for every crew member. You got to pay their rates. You got to pay for equipment. You have to pay for locations. So there's, it's one of those things where you have to really tailor the project to the budget. Like I'm not sitting there shooting car chases in a 12 day schedule because I, that's going to take forever. So I have to think, okay, well, what's a story I can tell and get it in the can in 12 days without running people into the ground. Cause I generally don't like to go like a lot of films go 12 hour days and I don't like doing that. Um, and I feel like it's disrespectful to the crew to go past that. And it's also, you're not paying them what they would make on a commercial. So you're trying to be very, very respectful of their time, but still getting the, obviously getting the job done. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of those things where all those factors play and then you have to make a schedule that, you know, like a 12 day schedule, but you have to make sure that you don't put too many pages of the script on those days. So you have to sit there and think, okay, I go through my shot list and I'm like, okay, I have 40 shots that day. Can I pull that off in 12 in, in, in a 12 hour day? And you have to include, obviously, lunch is part of that 12 hours. Breaking down the lights and packing them all up is part of those 12 hours. So all of that you have to kind of be thinking about, even when you're writing it. I'm like sitting here thinking, okay, I can't, you have to be ambitious, but you can't be at the point where you're like, I'm not being realistic. Right. And if I'm not set, I'm not going to do a bunch of pyrotechnics. The makeup was probably the biggest challenge on this movie. Obviously, you've got the picture behind you right now. That makeup took a long time doing that to her hands, making them look like that. And um, if you've seen the film without giving too much away, that's all makeup. There's no, there's not one shot in this movie that has CGI. Nothing. Um, it is visually impressive. I was very yeah. impressed by this film impressive. visually. It is really that. Well, the house becomes like another member of the movie. It's just exactly. like, um, exactly. yeah. which. You know, and you have to think about that, too, because you're like, okay, finding a a location, especially one that you don't necessarily have a huge budget for, you know, that was actually one of the most stressful parts of making this movie was finding the house. Because if you if you end up going to a realtor and you're like, I want to make a movie, do you have a house on the market that fits the bill? Well, then you have to move in all the furniture. You have to then bring in all of the the elements to make it look like it's been deserted. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's a clean slate when you get a house from a from a realtor. Right. So it was trying to find a house that was lived in, but abandoned. And then also nobody was living. 
<laughs> Nobody lived there. And also, like, it was owned by somebody that I knew. So it ended up being, like, the perfect we – realized, we realized early on, we're like, if we don't take this opportunity, then the movie may not get made because it was one of those things where the other option to, was, was even worse. It's like, oh, well, okay, we don't have the money to bring in all the furniture and make it look dusty and old and fabricate all of the mm-hmm. cobwebs and dust because all that stuff is in that movie. Everything you see in the house – with the exception of some of the graffiti and stuff, everything was there already. Um, we didn't have to move anything in. In fact, we were taking things out because, you know, I was like, okay, we don't want to, we don't want people tripping on this and getting like, you know, having to get a tetanus shot. <laughs> so, you know, right. um, those are the things you have to think about. So when we shot in the cellar, it was funny because, you know, all the things in the cellar are already there. Um, it was funny because we found a large snake skin down there where we're filming. And of course, everybody's like, well, where's the snake? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's the, the only worst thing than finding a snake in your cellar is finding a snake skin in your cellar. Yeah, yeah. right. To say, I almost like that. I would rather find the snake. And so we didn't know where the snake was the whole time. And, and the snake skin was like very long. But we <laughs> it. We're like, oh, you know, we never did see the snake. Maybe no. outside. Um, but maybe it would have been better had you found the snake. I mean, well, no. what if what if that's just another I mean, obstacle? I mean, was I mean, it um, there was a giant snake outside wrapped around a tree branch? Maybe it was that one. We were <sighs> I filmed, I filmed it with my phone while we were having lunch, and that's another thing is it's like um, I always tell people uh, when you're making an independent film and you don't have a huge budget, at least put money into the catering because food is so they yeah, ate the snake. Food, yeah, food is so important to. Uh, keeping people happy <laughs> so we did we went out of our way to make the catering really good but um anyway so uh i'm trying to think of what the real big challenges we came other than obviously everything that we try to get all of our challenges out of the way on the front end in the prepping process so that when we're filming it's fairly straightforward and moves efficiently but there's always like things like the weather you can't control like there's a scene at towards the end of the movie where um jenny comes to the house it's at night and Judith is, and I don't feel like this is a spoiler, Judith is is waiting outside, and we had to get that scene shot that night. We had no way of getting it. We couldn't move it to a different night, and it was like torrential downpour thunderstorm, you know, in Kansas, and so we were like, we saw like maybe a 10-minute break in the storm, and we had to run out and shoot it as fast as possible, and we're dealing with prop guns and blanks, so you don't like to, you don't want to rush that stuff, Um, and this was like, June of 2021, and the whole thing with Alec Baldwin and Rust happened oh, in October. Yeah, like, oh, so, it was heavy on uh, everyone's mind. Yeah. Yeah. So we were lucky that we were able to get all that stuff done a couple months. And we were like so, so careful. I had a, a, a guy running who brought the, the, the prop guns, and we were very, everybody had ear ear protection and eye protection. It was it was amazing to me that, you know, we, were, we had a very tiny budget, but we took safety. I mean, we were very, very uh, meticulous about it. So, oh, no doubt. And the fact that you're filming during COVID is ridiculous enough because, I mean, you've already got these ridiculous standards that you have to abide by to keep everybody safe. Ridiculous in the form that there are just so many, not that it's not needed. Um, But just filming. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. 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 If if she watches this, I will. (laughs) She's actually going to be at the film festival with me. uh, She's uh, great. Next month, next week. And which festival is this? Fright Fest in the 
UK. He's in London. So um, my wife and I are going. And then Lori, who played Judith, will be there. She's obviously in Paris, so she doesn't have that far to go. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And like a number of these people, though, that you that you worked with on They Wait, I mean, you've worked with them before. Like we said, Sarah McGuire and Chris Bilsma uh, yeah. were, were both in I Am Lisa. Uh, Megan Flynn and Belong to Us. Um, like there might've been more that I've overlooked, but like, does that heavily, you know, I mean, you said that you wrote this with Sarah McGuire in mind. Yeah. Were there any other previous members of your cast that you had in mind that you knew that you wanted to bring in? Because we, we talked about this off, uh, off air very briefly, but I spoke to Jim Burkett not long ago, who directed Coherence. And, um, you're basically echoing the same thoughts that he had. Like he has a project that I should probably see if it's available yet. It's called Shatterbelt. It's an anthology series, a la The Outer Limits, uh, Twilight Zone. Um, but I saw a lot of recurring names from Coherence in yep. the, the potential cast for Shatterbelt. Was that something that you thought, man, I really need to work with these other folks as well? Yeah, I felt like it was a good chance to do a combo of people. Because like Chad Crenshaw, who's at working in the gas station, he's been in a ton of my stuff too. Um, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, like half the cast I'd never worked with before. Actually, more than half. Um, but there's still half that you had. Yeah, and Sarah, Sarah was... Obviously, I wrote the script for her, and I've worked with her, done several short films, and then she was in I Am Lisa, in which I boil her face in hot, hot grease. <laughs> so, Great scene. Uh, we had a we had a good rapport, and we you know we're we're really good friends. Um, Lori, I had known since 2008, and never mm -hmm. worked with her before. She went to she lived in Lawrence, Kansas, which is where I went to school. And we had never had the opportunity. I think she messaged me at one point on social media and she's like, when are we going to work together? And I'm like, I'm waiting for the right time. And then the right time came. And I, you know, I thought of her, Megan, Megan thought of her too. Megan was also a producer on the movie. She's the executive producer. Um, and she plays the the creepy mom in the flashbacks. <laughs> so, uh, and I've worked with Megan. The flashbacks were amazing. Yeah. Like I worked with her since 2008 as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think that it was, it was very important for me to make this movie very inclusive as well. Um, and so I, per I wanted to cast very carefully on this movie. Um, and Paige was one of those people that, again, like I had never seen her in anything. And like the agency in Kansas city sent me over her audition and I was just like, who is this? I have to cast the movie. Cause, um, I wanted to bring in some people that hadn't been seen before. Because there is a tendency to cast a lot of the same people over and over again. And I there is some comfortability to it because you know they're going to come in, they're going to get the job done, they're going to do a good job. Right. Uh, um, and in the case of Sarah, since I wrote the script for her, I was like, I never had to worry. Oh, my God, who's going to be the lead? And who are they going to be able to bring it mm -hmm. on the day of? And I never had to worry about it at all. Well, it's funny fact, that some directors get credit for doing that and others get kind of bashed for bringing in the same people. I know uh, I, I hear, I guess, messages out of both sides of people's mouths when they talk about, you know, somebody in the likes of Tarantino or or Cameron who uses, uh, you know, the, the same guys and just recycles them in different roles. But sure. I, mean, I, I can kind of dig that having your own little troop. Johnny Depp, he was in every Tim Burton movie. That does get right. old after a while. But yeah, or even I, more, you know, Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, of course. I love her. They're so good together, though. You know, like, and the audience expects it and gets ready for it. So I think it can work either way. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you're constantly pushing yourself to make sure you're doing a little something different or move something yeah. more? 
Right. I feel like each movie, um, it's funny because I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. I'm always like, okay, I, the, the fundraising, raising the, the financing is so hard that you really have to find a project that you're so excited about that you're willing to go and raise the money for because that really is a very difficult part of the process. Um, so I've got a couple ideas and so I'm, I, but it's, it, I've got one that's, you know, it's in the same spirit, but it's a completely different idea. Um, this one was for me. I was like, all right, I haven't done a haunted house movie yet, but I don't want to do the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. And the thing about Poltergeist that works so well is that it, it, it's clear that there's a reason why they're staying in the house. And again, it comes back to me going, okay, why are these people staying? It's <laughs> like, if I'm watching a haunted house movie again, like by act one, I'm like, all right, I would be getting in the car. The, the movie would be very short. I think Eddie um, Murphy had a bit like that, right? He said, uh, right. Yeah, she was on the TV. So I turned the channel. She didn't work. So I got out. <laughs> yep. Right. And then, so Poltergeist, it's one of those movies where obviously they can't leave because their daughter has been uh, captured and they can only speak to her through the TV. Um, and so there's like this sense of we can't go anywhere. We have to stay. And so um, I knew that with my haunted house movie that I had to have a good reason for that. Obviously, I couldn't do what they did. So I had to come up with a different reason um, and with like a fraction of the budget. I would say probably they're not even their parking budget is what we had to work with. Parking budget? I mean, I'm guessing on Poltergeist, probably. Um, but uh, yeah, we had such a small budget and had to pull off a lot of miracles um, to make it work. And again, a lot of that comes to you writing a script that's tailored to a small budget. You know, you're making something mm-hmm. that you know you can achieve. Um, I really want to do a vampire movie. That's, and I've got all these ideas for one. So I'm like, I think that that's somewhere in my future. But I need to come up with an idea that I think is fresh. Um, did that, that, did that come up during your uh, delirium during COVID? Or is I that mean, something you had, you've been sitting on longer? My ideas come up, come up in some form of delirium. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's when I'm either mowing. <laughs> I mean, mowing, and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, that's a cool idea. Or I have my worst ideas mowing. In the shower or driving. I've never touched a lawnmower, so I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I've never touched one, and really? I don't plan on it. But, yeah. But, okay, just real quick. So you mentioned that it was inclusive. Is that one of your main goals or just um, it just came about with this movie because you really wanted to bring that idea forward? I mean, a little bit of both. Like, I mean, Sarah, Sarah is part of the LGBTQ community. So is so is um, Lori. So I knew that going in that that was one of my approaches to the story. Um, And um, I wanted her son to be black and so we went with that whole aspect of the story i just wanted it to be very inclusive and and interesting um and it's funny because like i think obviously the gas station guy the guys who show up at the gas station are the worst characters of the film um so good at it though yeah I, they're the nicest guys in the world i had to, <laughs> i had to cast the parts um and it was funny because when we shot that scene we were we were filming in leavenworth kansas which is where the leavenworth prison is um, the military prison <laughs> Yes, the military prison is right there. And so I, they, word got out we were shooting a movie at a gas station. And because of our budget, you know, I couldn't close the gas station. You know, so we were working around. We were shooting at a working gas station, um, which is very challenging. And so we're filming this scene where, obviously, in the movie, she gets uh, Lori's character of Judith. It's kind of her introduction introduction scene. And it's supposed to establish that she's not somebody to be messed with. Oh, yeah. Um, it definitely and, established it. Right. And so we're shooting that scene over and over again in the parking lot. 
And word got out that we were doing that. So people started pulling into the gas pumps and filming us with their iPhones. <sighs> the part that the part that became a little frustrating and challenging was that when I would turn the camera around to get Lori's shot, there was a different car at the pump at every every <laughs> time I do it. So I'm like, if I cut a moment from the first take and then the third take, there's going to be a different car at the pump each time I cut to her. So I'm like, we had to finally tell the person, look, if you're going to be there, stay there. And stay, just stay there. And yeah. just stay there when we get this shot, because otherwise, if you pull out, a different car is going to pull in, and then we're going to have continuity problems. And those are the things that people are like, I don't, I don't even. You, when you watch a movie, you don't even think about that stuff. Right. Um, and well, continuity, have, budget, and COVID be damned. Uh, the yeah. guys at the Horror Hound Film Festival um, agree that this film is uh, worthy of some nominations, though. So yes. they wait in the dark. Just received uh, seven award nominations for that film festival, the Horror Hound Film Festival, which, unless the dates have changed on me, happens between September 9th and 11th in Cincinnati. Yep. Yeah, and um, I can't attend because I have a wedding that weekend. However, uh, not my wedding, somebody else's wedding. <laughs> but but uh, my my makeup guy, Jake Jackson, who's also a producer on the film, um, is going to attend. So he will be there to do the Q&A and support the film, and uh, hopefully we win some award, you know? Um, no doubt. I mean, you've got uh, Best Feature. I, I guess that's their version of Best Picture. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The Judge's Choice, Best Sound, Best Lead Performance from Sarah McGuire, Best Supporting Performance from Lori Winkle, Best Writing, and Best Directing. That's you, man. That's you. Oh, my kids just walked in. Hi, guys. Welcome. Welcome. But that's that's huge. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's that's really big. So anyway, so so yeah, no, I'm thrilled about it. I really am, and I'm really bummed I can't go because I've gone to Horror Hound many times, and it's great. I love it. But you know, it's one of those things where um, because we had Fright Fest, and currently the movie is available through Popcorn Frights Film Festival. Mm, which, that was my um, next thing. Tell me about Popcorn Frights. Yeah. They selected the movie to be part of their virtual programming, which is kind of a thing now because of COVID. In actual, in actuality, it's it's probably going to garner us a bigger crowd because you know if you're huh? in the theater, you're limited to the amount of seats that are in the theater. But with the virtual screenings, it's like anybody can watch it anywhere in the country. Um, so hopefully, they get a lot of people. I know a lot of people in Kansas City have watched it um that way and there's a Q&A that's attached so if you buy a ticket through popcorn frights you get to watch the movie and then there's a separate section for the Q&A yeah you so, can you can grab those virtual tickets or passes at popcornfrights.com and correct. uh so you can watch this movie right now through August 21st right correct and like if you buy it i think you've got 48 hours to watch it so um Oh, my other kid just walked in. <laughs> so, so this interview actually worked out better. Uh, yeah, our, our next next week's guest is Ben Schatzel, and he was actually going to be our guest this week. He had to bump it up. So I said, or he was actually wanting to do it like maybe later in the night. So I said, well, how about this? Um, Patrick has actually reached out and like finally uh, we've been able to 
to cross sure. paths. So why don't we get Patrick? Because I noticed that his film is running through the 21st. And if we can get some time in between our interview and the 21st to get a few extra eyes on the film, sure. then let's do that and push uh, Ben to next week. And Ben was like, yeah, let's absolutely do that. So he was really on board yeah. with it. So, I mean, popcorn frights, I'm definitely going to get my, uh, my ticket to that. And, Honestly, Patrick, you got a couple of festivals coming up after Popcorn Frights, right? Yeah. So, got Fright Fest. The, the, the screening of, uh, in London is the 27th. So, we're actually leaving, I think, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, because we wanted to have a couple extra days in London. And we also wanted to make sure, that, you know, flights are constantly being delayed. And there's, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it's one of those things where we wanted to be careful, get there with enough time. Um, so, that's the 27th in London. And then we have um, Horror Hound after that. And then we're kind of freed up. I'm not really sure. I think we're still waiting to hear from some film festivals that we've we've sent to. Um, Has Slash and Bash already gone by the in, in Topeka? Back same weekend, so it's like I had to choose um, oh. London, oh. London or Topeka. Um, <laughs> but the film but, is still going to be shown there, right? No, actually, I am Lisa is going to play there, um, but not They Wait in the Dark. So ah, I am Lisa is there. Okay, so de- let's push that as well. Check those guys out at slashandbashfestival.com if you want to check out I am Lisa. Yeah, I wanted to be at Slash and Bash. I've gone many years. Um, it's like on its like ah man, it's been thirteen years, maybe maybe more. Um, since they started doing that, it's probably even more. Um, and uh, and they do that at the Topeka Performing Arts Center. Correct. And I, okay. unfortunately, I mean, we will show the movie next year, especially since it was shot in Topeka. We will shoot. We will shoot for next year to 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 show it. Um, but yeah, the timing. I can't. I, I'm like, I need a clone to get to all these film, film festivals because I have a short film playing at uh, several. I have several short films out there right now. Um, and I've got one that's uh, playing at the Sin Film Festival in Florida. I think it's Orlando. And um, and it, there's a funny backstory to the short film. It's set in an elevator. The whole story is set in an elevator. It's four elderly people trapped in an elevator. And I, oh, I, I hate it already. <laughs> I should send you a link to it. Um, yes, yes. But I shot it. I shot it in 2014, or maybe it was 20. Yeah, it was 2014 when I shot it, and it so got after Nailbiter. What's that? So after Nailbiter. Yes, and for various reasons, I was not allowed to screen it anywhere until now, which is unfortunate because two of the of the actors have since passed away. So it's one of those things where they, you know. It's bittersweet. I can finally show it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, nominated for a bunch of awards at the Sin Film Festival, including one of the actors. One of the actors who passed away is also nominated. So uh, congratulations. It's, it's bittersweet, but I can't make it to that one because that's September 1st. And I get back from uh, London on the 31st of August. It's just I can't I can't do it all. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a tough swing. Right. I think they call these good problems. These are good problems. Yeah, I was going right. to say, that's not a bad problem to have at all. Right. This is a good problem. And then, of course, my kids, um, I, my kids are not going to London. They're actually going to go to Nebraska to hang out with my parents while we're gone. So, um, you know, I have to then get back, get them picked up and all that. And then um, start moving on to some next some new projects. Right now we're in the distribution phase, too, where we're trying to um, – I can't say exactly who it's going to be, but we are working with a potential distributor. So hopefully the movie will be streaming next year because it takes – there's always a delay because once you sign with the distributor, you have to get them all the materials that they need. And by that point, they have to then schedule it for certain platforms, which is usually four or five months out. So it'll be um, 
I'm hoping February, but we'll see. Uh, by the time it's out for streaming for everybody else to see. Well, we can't let you go without bringing up the sequel to 2013's Nailbiter. Um, <laughs> from what I saw, Meg Sarix is coming back, reprising her role as Jennifer McGuire. Uh, you know, this is a very, this could be another two hour podcast right here. Um, <laughs> to get, that movie has been one of the hardest movies to get off the ground for me. Um, part of it's because I keep moving on to other projects. Um, I, I am determined at some point to make a sequel to Nailbiter of some kind. Um, the idea is there. It's in pre-production at the moment right. per IMDb. There, there are several ideas. So there's two or three. There, there's, there's one script that is currently the one listed on IMDb that would bring back at least Meg. Um, but it's one of those things where getting the money, getting the financing, because it's been so long since the first movie, and the first movie was released through Lionsgate um, in 2013. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, it's hard to go to an investor right now because I haven't been able to really show them the numbers on the first movie because Lionsgate will never share those. So, um, and this is just a part of the yeah. filmmaking process that's not great um so i have found a sneakier way of making a sequel where i'm going to set it kind of in the same world and then kind of loop it back around sort of but it's it's a it's a ways out yet i still you know it's one of those projects that i've got lingering and people ask me about it a lot which is good you know the first movie came out so long ago that i'm i'm worried that people don't remember it you know and uh so it's good every now and then when people reach out and they're like are you ever gonna make a sequel to nailbiter And I had, we were ready to try to make one immediately after, but it just became so hard to get the money. And any filmmaker in the independent film world knows getting financing is very difficult. And I've been able to get financing for other projects, just not now. So I believe it's in the cards and some, but. Well, we certainly hope so. This is what I did want to ask you. If you did not have a budget and you could remake any horror classic, um, and the amount of times that you could remake it, what horror classic would you do? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, okay, okay. There's a couple. No There's a couple. Okay. Uh, have you seen um, the stuff, Larry Cohen, the Larry Cohen movie? Most you, definitely. It's, it's about it's about people who become addicted to this dietary, like it almost looks like cus- white custard, and it's wow. like turns people into zombies. So it's like they find this stuff inside of a meteor and they start selling it to stores like it's a like it's a food. And it's called the stuff. The and stuff. people become addicted to it. And it's this thing where the movie it was it came out I think nineteen eighty five. Oh wow. And it's a little bit dated in terms of its execution. Mm-hmm. However, the ideas and the story and I think it's entirely still relevant. People being addicted yeah. to being on a diet. It's supposed to be like this health food uh, craze, and it's actually turning people into zombies. I think that's a fun, a fun idea, and I think it could be revisited um, at some point. And that's always been one of those ones where I'm, I'm like, if I ever got asked to do a remake, that's what I would do. Um, Critters would be up there. I love those movies. Um, yeah, I love Critters. Well, you'd I need to bring uh, D. Wallace in for that. That that's a yeah. must. Yeah, of course. And D. Wallace, you know. I have almost worked with her several times. It's always come very, uh, very close. Um, I would, al- I would rather almost work with her than never <laughs> to have worked with her at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, come close. I think it's in our, it's in the, it's in my destiny to work with her at some point. <laughs> She's actually from Kansas City. Um, and, and then it, maybe I'm trying to think of another one that would be good to remake. You know, I always thought that Attack of the Killer Tomatoes deserved like a really <laughs> off the ball crazy. Really? 
where they like just make it super gory and like the tomatoes have you know or either you can go completely balls to the wall with that yeah, yeah. um I and love that maybe some awesome. but most it's funny because like a lot of the ones i want to do are are horror comedy and i haven't done a horror comedy at least not in a feature film mm-hmm. uh sized movie as opposed to i've done some horror comedy shorts like the one the elevator one is a hundred percent a horror comedy and i will send it to you tonight after we get done with this call please do uh, but Sweet. but because uh, yeah like all these ideas i'm like oh i want to remake that and it's a horror comedy every time and, and i don't know if it, I, i'm scared to make a horror comedy is extremely difficult to pull off because it inevitably leans in one direction more than the other so I think for me, the perfect horror comedy is Fright Night because it is yeah. it is the perfect it's the perfect blend yeah. of it's the perfect blend where you don't feel like you're getting too much of one or the other. You're laughing, but you're also scared. Um, mm-hmm. And in many ways, Scream is the perfect horror comedy. Um, scream, Scream. I always think of Scream. Oh, yeah. 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 And I always think of uh, Evil Dead, too. And the ones after yeah. that. I don't know if that's considered a horror comedy, but it definitely gets campy. And that's kind of the. I, I guess when you put that slash down the middle, you kind of, you know, give yourself up to the scrutiny that comes. Well, hey, man, it could have been a horror, but you wanted to make it funny or it could have been a great comedy, but you wanted to make it bloody. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. It really takes the hard cores to, to make that work. Um, Cabin in the Woods is a good example of a horror comedy. Um, and then what Tucker, Tuck and, Tucker and Dale versus, versus Evil. Evil great horror comedy so it's like maybe my of- favorite modern horror comedy to date sure and and even Sh- and Shaun of the dead of course those are all like ones that work 100 percent um but most of the time they kind of miss because they're either too focused on the comedy and they forget the horror or they're too focused on the horror and they forget the comedy so it's really tough to pull them off and i think that's what makes them kind of challenging um because they don't always work and they don't always do well at the box office i think that a lot of uh studios are are they want to do something a little bit more straight-faced horror um because because they do better um so um and you know obviously there's unintentional (laughs) unintentional horror comedy but but uh as far as like movies that are actually like made to be funny and scary it is a little challenging well, Patrick, we want as many eyes on your work as possible, and we're going to have some information about some of your previous work in the in the episode bio to this episode. Okay. Uh, but viewers who'd like to see um, They Wait in the Dark, th- we know they can catch it right now on popcornfrights.com. Yeah. But where is They Wait in the Dark headed in the future? Um, again, like, I think it's going to be a little while, probably February, um, by the time, cause we're working with a distributor and trying to get that all worked out. Um, and it just takes time. Cause then I, then it's my job <laughs> to get them all the materials because I do all the delivery too. Since I'm the editor, I have to get the movie to them with, with all, every time you deliver a movie and if you ask any filmmaker who's ever done it, they most of the time turn pale with fear because it's, it's not an easy process at all. Um, so, and you got to go through a quality control inspection and there's just a lot of things to it. So it takes a few months. Um, my first experience with that was nail biter and it was like almost a full year before I, I passed inspection. Um, but yeah, it took a long, long time. So I'm hoping spring or late winter, uh, for they wait in the dark to be on streaming services and we'll be, I'm guessing it'll probably start off on like Amazon and, and voodoo and all that stuff. And then like, for instance, with I am Lisa, it was on voodoo. Um, 
Amazon, Redbox on demand, all those things initially. And then it, then it ended up on Peacock in October. Um, so I'm hoping that, um, eventually we end up on a streaming. I would love to get, they wait in the dark on shutter. So, um, that's my goal. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns that people can look forward to. I'm telling you, you think you're going in one way and you just, you leave completely floored. Right. And I think people like so far, everyone I've shown it to have commented that they, without getting anything away, there, there were some surprises. So um, I hope that that remains. I'm always like, whenever I read these reviews recently, three or four have come out since uh, Popcorn Frights. And I'm like, oh, God, please don't have spoilers. Please don't get away. <laughs> so, um, so I think we're, you know, right now we're safe from from uh, people uh, spoiling it. So Yeah, you'll get no spoilers from us either. We had that conversation beforehand because generally if we don't have a guest, the idea is that we're going to revisit a film from horror history. Okay, so yeah. uh, if something dropped this week specifically in horror history, like last week, Cujo dropped. So we did a deep dive on the film Cujo, had a great conversation about it. This sure. week, uh, we've got you. Next week, we've got Ben. The following week, I don't know that uh, we have anybody, so we might jump to uh, a horror classic and dive into that. Those are going to contain spoilers. Um, sure. Because if yeah. you know if a movie's 40 years old, then I think it's past the, Every, the expiration date. So you're you're going to get no spoilers from us on this one. Go and check out this film. Get something. Get get your tickets from popcornfrights.com. Check it out at your uh, at your local festivals if you, if you're nearby. Uh Patrick, yeah. we are very appreciative of your time to come on to the Hit City podcast. We hope you'll come back again, especially when uh when we get Nailbiter 2 going on. <laughs> Somebody get <give me> money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give them some money, guys. Let us know where, we, where people can do that. Yeah, send us that information. Let us know how we can help and and how we can support. Definitely. Definitely. No Thank doubt. you again. For Indiegogo. Um, what, what's the other one? Um, the, uh, I can't remember the other. Uh, oh, fun, the, the, the fundraiser site. Kickstarter. We'll, put it the Kickstarter. we'll put it on a Kickstarter or something. We, we got to get this going. But, At some point, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think it's going to happen at some point. Um, I just, I just hope that, uh, I'm not 70 years old. When it <laughs> no, <laughs> it, definitely it not. Yeah. Well, Patrick, again, we appreciate your time guys. That's going to do it for this week's hit city podcast. So for Patrick Ray and Suki suburbia, I am Billy Graves. Make sure guys that every day you are drinking the blood of your enemies from the skulls of their children.